The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. What is up? Welcome to episode number 321 of On the Corner, the official PitcherList.com podcast. I'm your host, David Mendelson, joined by the man that knows Kyle Wright from wrong, Nick Pollock. Nick, how's it going? What is happening? Yes, we have another episode of the On the Corner podcast with the wonderful David Mendelson. You can follow him on Twitter at dmendy 2 And I will say, before we go into this podcast more, I think I speak on behalf of everybody Thanking you for covering for Alex Fast. Uh, Alex will be back next week. But David has done such an amazing job stepping in the interim. And thank you. Thank you so much, Mendelssohn. I mean, I, have, I told you this off camera, and I'll tell you on camera too. I really appreciate you thinking of me to step in for the, the gigantic shoes that have Alex Fast, the pitch overlayer for ESPN, guy that's been on MLB Network <laughs> numerous times. I mean, I could say his accolades will be the whole show, but... Unbelievable. Uh, See, this is this is why David's the best. Um, <laughs> you can follow his work, of course, at Triple Play Fantasy. I believe you're doing stuff with Fantasy Pros as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and just amazing. So make sure you follow dmendy 2 on Twitter. Follow all of his work. Um, he's incredible. So I feel very lucky to be able to do this Top 100 with you. And we've got a lot to talk about. Um before we begin again, I know I have to plug some more stuff. Guys, come hang out with me. 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Twitch. It's twitch.tv slash Petrolist. Seriously, Monday through Friday. It has been a super fun time. I'm actually not even working as much. I'm just hanging out for like the first hour. So if you have any questions, that's where I answer all of them. It's awesome. Just come hang out. Mendelssohn, what have you been working on? I always hate talking about myself. Do it! Not here. <laughs> um but uh, just check out the YouTube channel. Always putting out a lot of content. We started a minor league series called The Call-Up. We we did a little bit of it over the summer, or I say before the season started, and we're now in season doing it. Two episodes in, so if you like minor league talk, check that out. And always doing a podcast with my favorite guys every single week for the Triple Play Baseball show. You can check out. Usually Wednesday or Thursday nights we do that, so you can check that out too. Sweet. But, uh, Nick, we got to get into this list, man. It yeah, is we do. Packed. And I don't know how many times there's a guy that tries to audition for the number one spot, like right before we go live, but a man did. And mm. he got bumped up to the number one spot, Corbin Burns. And I'll, the list here, 
the for the guys at the top of this list in tier one, Corbin Burns, Garrett Cole, Max Scherzer, very small list, very elite guys. Corbin Burns is now the new number one, and he showed out right before we started recording as he pitched 6.2 innings of shutout baseball with 11 strikeouts, 48 whiffs, I'm sorry, 26 whiffs on 106 pitches for a 24.5% swinging strike rate. He is just the bee's knees right now. That's insane. 26 whiffs. It's no 32. It's no Patrick Sandoval. <laughs> Irish Panda 32. Uh, I think that does set the high. Maybe Carlos Rodon did that, that 26. I got to recall if if who has the true Gallows pole this year. <laughs> um, but yeah, he is the leader of the three Musketeers. Um, that is this tier of Corbin Burns, Garrett Cole, and Max Scherzer. As they're all one for all and all for one, right? They all could be number one. Um but uh, I don't actually know the names of the three musketeers. <laughs> Is it like nougat, uh, uh, chocolate, and gold? No, and silver foil wrapper. I don't know. I have no idea. It sounds right. That sounds like the three musketeers, you know. But uh, but yeah, I mean, Corn Burns. Honestly, after Garrett Cole has been good, like he was great over the weekend. It still just feels so definitive that we all know that we would take Burns at this point. Uh, so he is the number one, but I mean, really, you all know if you have these guys, you're feeling great, especially in Cole's last star, who finally looked like Garrett Cole. And I think it's just a reflection that we can't worry just a few weeks into the season about. No, I think we have to. It's, it's such a long season. We have to give right. these guys a bigger leash. They've had the track record, right? Yeah, especially the the top guys. I will say Cole does not have the the breaking stuff that we normally see. Uh, I really want to see that slider buried down and into lefties constantly slider down away to righties. He's using a cutter and a slider a bit now, which is kind of interesting. Uh, I wonder if, you know, you can really get that giant whiff pitch going uh, in the secondary. So crossing my fingers for that, but the fastball looks like it's back. Yeah. And like you said, in an elite tier there, we go to tier two, which has also elite guys, but maybe not quite to the guys at the top here with Brandon Woodruff, Walker Bueller, Sandy Alcantara, Robbie Ray, Joe Musgrove, and Kevin Gosman. Nick, what's the name of this still elite tier, but maybe not the top tier? Mm, I'm going to say it's Golden Grams because it's a really good cereal that I would feel good with every single day eating. But it's no Cinnamon Toast Crunch. You know, or it's, it's not quite there. Captain Crunch is the best. Thank you for acknowledging that because course, Captain Crunch yeah. is is 1-1 one, one for me. Mm -hmm. um, it's got to be Crunch Berries, but uh, so much sugar. So much sugar. Oh my. I have not a had a podcast one time. I have that not had a bowl of cereal for a very long time. I, uh, but it was always, yeah, crunch berries. My mouth could take it. It was worth it. Um, but anyway, I mean, this one, I realized that Woodruff and Bueller, despite still being good and Woodruff coming back into his own, just aren't on the same tier right now as those other three guys. Mm -hmm. So I did, I group in this larger tier two now, but otherwise it's, pretty much the same this week gosman now is inside the top 10 uh or inside the top nine i should say for the first time i have to say i mean it's been very early on but he has been looking very much just like the guy we saw with san francisco and i was a little worried him going to the american league east with all those great offenses uh worst ballpark that maybe he would have some regression but he's looked just phenomenal and i, oh, I Absolutely. Uh, yeah, the, the figures that we had about Gaussman going to the AL East seem like it was not worth it. 80% strike rate so far on his four-seamer is kind of hilarious because he already had an elite 75% clip. 
I uh, for the last two years. But then Gauss was like, no, nah, I can do better. It's fine. Um, meanwhile, the splitter is earning a 41% CSW with a 37% swing strike rate through his uh, first three starts. So Gaussman's good, you know, and it's like, oh, but you, yeah, but who did he face, right? It's got to be like easier opponents. He faced the Rangers, faced the Yankees, and he faced the Red Sox. I think we should all feel really great about Kevin Gaussman. Did not realize his hair was that long. Holy moly. <laughs> yeah. Has he let the flow go now? Is that what's he, going on? I haven't, yeah, I haven't seen him pitch this year, like, like on my TV, but the, the <laughs> flow is out. It's like Josh Hader. Mm, like that's that a good out- stuff. That's what we want. You know, classic DeGrom flow. Yes. Yes. Uh, but then we get into this next tier in tier three. And now we have a couple more question marks here. Still very good players. Carlos Rodon, Logan Webb, Lucas Giolito, Shane Bieber, Julio Urias, Max Fried. Alec Manoa, Justin Verlander, and Frankie Montas. Daniel got that one right this week. And uh, so, Nick, what's the name of this tier and why are you calling it that? Oh, right. I didn't even do a name. I was always, I was just so ready to talk about them. Oh, man. I uh, got no. Every, every idea I have is pretty bad at the moment. I'm going to say this is um, Toy Story 1. Where it's, I think like everyone will agree that it's a good movie, but it just got improved upon later on. You know, everyone's like, oh, Toy Story 2 is the best, but no, Toy Story 3. Oh my God, the reason one, Toy Story 4. Like they're all like 100%. How like, many are tomato movies? I think there's four. But this one, it, like, it's, it's still good. Like, don't get me wrong. Verlander, the hey, hey, you're talking about those other guys? I'm still good. I'm Verlander. You know, Alec Manoa, really exciting. Maybe it'll be a surge in 10 years. Everyone goes, no, wait, no, Toy Story 1 was the best one. I uh, and the really the major thing here is that Logan Webb, I decided to pull him from tier two down to tier three. Uh just because I realized that Logan Webb isn't going to hint at that truly elite top three pitcher uh I don't know, throne. Uh where like Kevin Gaussman could do that, Robbie Ray could do that, Sandy Alcantara can do that, and so on. So I felt, you know what, he deserved to be in the other tier. And it's kind of strange to see Rodon and Webb. Both have the aces going to ace here because I feel like Logan Webb is just great the entire year. Um, and the other guys don't have it yet, but all of them Lucas Giolito, Bieber, Ur- Urias, uh, Freed, Manoa, Verlander, Montas all of them could have their aces going to ace leap on the next two weeks. It's just time at this point. Yeah. And I was also curious in this tier. We saw that uh, Lucas Giolito obviously went from unranked now that he's healthy inside the top 12. Do you remember where you had him before he got hurt? Was he around 12 or was he higher, lower? Where did you have him before that? Yeah, he was just about here. Um, essentially, I put Bieber or Inarius underneath him. I, I I figure after the start of the weekend where, where Giolito had slightly depressed velocity and only about 78 pitches, Giolito will be better in both uh, pitch count and in velocity. Not to mention the changeup was so filthy oh my God. Um, in that start. So... Everything feels great with Giolito, and I can imagine he goes into Tier 2 um, if he dominates in his next start. Oh, that would be fantastic. I love me some Lucas Giolito, and I love me some guys here in Tier 4. Freddie Peralta, Chris Bassett, Zach Wheeler, Shane McClanahan, Charlie Morton, Aaron Nola, Pablo Lopez, and Trevor Rogers. A lot of colors here, but Nick, what's the name of this tier? Oh, right. I, I, I'm just... <laughs> Every time I'm just like, oh, right. I got to do the name. I just want to talk about every single player in here. Um, This one. Okay. So you have like a guy like Peralta and you have Morton. Okay. 
All right. Uh, we're going to go with a Starburst packet. Because most of them are good, but sometimes you get like two oranges. Oh, yeah. And you don't want that, you know? And, you know, sometimes like I'm fine just eating an orange Starburst. And it can feel as good as the best ones if you have nothing else. But, you know... Charlie Morton, not really performing at the top of his game. Trevor Rogers, better, but not quite there yet. Um, that's what I'm going with. It's a ter- it's by far the worst tier name, as I'm so out of my game um, on this one. But, I mean, is there someone here that really stands out for you, David? Well, I was going to ask, were you hungry when you came up with these tiers? <laughs> I know the resort. Tiers. My backup is always going to food. It's just how it is. And <laughs> I am starving right now. Cereal, I'm very hungry. This, uh, I love it. I mean, I'm a man. Food is my biggest love, so I, I'm, I'm here all for it. <laughs> you know, um, I might have to settle for a corner slice of pizza or something. Oof, I don't know. Um, I'd uh, rather have a middle slice, David. <laughs> Oh, that's that's a whole other conversation. <laughs> the crust is where it's at. Um, no, I, it's not pizza. That's okay. That's fine. It's fine. The crust, it's fine. The pizza the is the pizza, is which the is the best of both worlds. You get no, the it's pizza not. and you get the crust, especially if it's no. You crispy. don't get the crust. You just get the bread. You don't get the actually the sauce and the cheese and everything. It's the crust. But you. That's get, why like, people throw away the crust. They just don't want to waste the calories on the crust. Oh, right, exactly, because like- it's the worst part. But if you get a really good crust, you're not going to do that. It's just when you get really bad pizza. We need to actually put a poll out on this. This is, this. this is insane. And I'm someone who likes crust. I'm the one who eats their crust. But I recognize I want more of the pizza, which is the middle slice. Nick, if you get a crust and they, like, put a little, like, butter on it, if they, like, whatever, they, they put it on oh, it. Oh, you just cooked. want a breadstick. But it's like a breadstick But I want pizza. pizza. But it's pizza and a breadstick. No, you, you don't the- get – the crust is not the pizza – or, or like if it's a there's sauce. no sauce, there's no cheese on that. All right, I, we're gonna put a poll on this. That's gonna settle it. Uh, Let's but, talk about right. some pictures, please. Yes, if there's all right. So in this tier, Trevor Rogers has been a name. I think people have been very panicked about here, mm. and he finally looked decent in his last start. He gets to go against the Nationals in his next one. Were you encouraged enough for what you saw in his last start? Where you're kind of, I know he was lowered two spots, but do you think he could start settling into where maybe we saw somewhat of what we saw last year for most of the season with him? Sure. So keep in mind, the top 100 is affected by Lucas Giolito slotting back in at 12. So there's an mm-hmm. innate negative one for a lot of guys. And then Pablo Lopez rose up above Trevor Rogers because Pablo Lopez is killing it right yeah, now. It is. it is a four seamer and change up combination. And we really haven't seen any development from Pablo Lopez with his cutter and curveball. That is a, always been a little bit of a knock that I've given Pablo and also the long-term health. But then again, he's done super well over the years with just a fastball changeup. It just means that he will get that occasional seven-run game or whatever because one of these days it just does not work and all of a sudden they're just sitting on the fastball and, oh no, it's terrible, right? Mm-hmm. There's no backup plan. Uh, with Trevor Rogers, so he, I didn't actually move him down negative two. It's just those two guys right, above sense. him. But uh, Rogers, he had his fastball the first two starts and wasn't really enough. And he needed the changeup to show up in the slider. This one, the changeup was there. Really nice command at the bottom of the zone. Eight whiffs on 31. Changeup's thrown for Rogers. The next step is, of course, then getting the slider inside the zone co- comfortably. That's what he did when he succeeded in the start of last year. First two or three months or so, had that slider for strikes a ton. We'll hopefully get there soon. And I think it's just kind of a matter of time. Uh, I know we're still waiting for that six-inning game we haven't seen that from trevor rogers until or since the start of june last year which is kind of hilarious if you ask me uh we should get that but i do recognize that the love for rogers is not really 
uh, as high as some other guys in this tier. So I have him at the bottom. Yeah, his fastball getting hit as much as it has, I think it's been a, a huge problem for him. If you just look, he had a minus 15 run value on his fa- four-seam fastball last year, only a minus one run value on it this year. Batting average difference last year, he had an expected BA of 219 on the fastball. This year, it's a 348 expected BA. So um, obviously, it's something with I know people were talking about maybe he was tipping his pitches as something that also could potentially have caused that. But he's somebody that I've gotten a few DMs about. And I think after that last start, you can at least settle back in and be like, all right, let's watch a little bit more and see if he starts to figure it out. Uh, so I, I think he's appropriately ranked where you have him there. I, I like that spot for him. I will it's, say 15% swing strike rate for Trevor Rogers four seamer this year is cool by me. 33% CSW. And as long as that change up uh, continues to be anywhere close to 2020 and 2021 swing strike rates above 20%, like we just saw, he should be really, really good. Read on that. Before we get into the next tier, we're going to take a quick break. Hey, Alex Fast here, and thanks for listening to this podcast on the Pitcher List Podcast Network. If you're a fan, consider supporting all of us by getting a PL Plus subscription, where you're going to get an ad-free website and get access to our Discord, where you can talk to all of our podcast hosts and staff. Plus, you can hang out with our incredible Pitcher List community. It's basically a baseball sanctuary year-round for as low as $8 a month. You can sign up at pitcherlist.com backslash plus, and you're going to get your first month free with promo code podcast. Also, don't forget to check out everything else we do as well from YouTube videos, live streams, newsletters, off-season articles, TikToks, breakdowns, over 15 baseball podcasts on our network. We can't stop talking about baseball even during the off-season. So sign up for PL Plus today at pitcherlist.com backslash plus and use promo code podcast to get your first month free. All right. Thanks for listening. Let's get back to the show. And we're back. All right. So now we're going to go into tier five. There is a lot of red. So if you are a bull, please do not take a look at this tier. Clayton Kershaw, Dylan Cease, Jose Barrios, Yu Darvish, Luis Severino, Shohei Otani is a nice bright spot of green, and then Zach Gallon. And I know the two spots, obviously, the, the players we've mentioned, but I think this might be the only tier that has pretty much almost all red. Uh, so, Nick, what is the name of this tier and why do you call it that? Uh, this tier. I, this is like the, okay, I'm going to call it the earthquake tier because it's a lot of tremors and it's a lot of shakiness. Um, so for example, Kershaw, his slider wasn't nearly as dominant as I wanted it to be, um, over the weekend and Dylan Cease. I mean, how are you feeling right now about Dylan Cease, <laughs> I was hoping you were going to bring that up. <laughs> oh God. I had that coming. I, I mean, not a great start. I mean, I, definitely, um, not happy with what I saw but there were a couple times last year he was giving up like six seven earned runs and I know he he was walking some guys and you know pretty much not looking quite like himself but you guys you and Justin talked about that last week and you know of course those cherry bombs like I know you like to call them has can happen with him I'm not saying he's immune but there are very few pitchers in the bigs that are consistently dominant you know you have them in the top three top 10 pitchers pretty much so like i'm expecting that those can happen but i think they're gonna happen less than last year hmm. and if that's so. his worst and he's going he went against the guardians who were honestly they're a juggernaut of an offense right now um it's but i mean his slider is still filthy he's still getting a ton of k's and he's somebody that i, I still feel very confident in eight times out of ten 
is going to give me a really good quality start with a lot of strikeouts. I mean, I have a 28. It's not like I, I hate mm-hmm. Dylan Cease, um, but that's that's what you're going to get, you know, near two whip in that start as Dylan Cease had a slider. His slider did good things, but the fastball and curveball were just, we had no idea what we we're going to get every time he threw them. And he gets burned by that. It's, it's just kind of the nature of Dylan Cease. Um, so I kind of think that what we saw last year is pretty much the same as this year. Maybe that, you know, the three, nine year or whatever it was, it was close to that turns into a three, seven, five, you know, it's so easy for that to happen. You know, me predicting a 0.15 changing ERA is so unbelievably minimal um, in the grand scheme of the full season. So I hope that he's on the side of a three, five, as opposed to the side of a four five, but I'm not, I'm not suggesting he'll be that. It's just, a possibility always with him but yeah as you mentioned the strikeouts are so good for dylan sees that you gotta just keep throwing him out there and he's gonna have these amazing starts and that's that's pretty cool somebody that's right near him in that tier that i think is kind of interesting you darvish who in his first start of the season 1.2 innings nine earned runs i think people were throwing their computers <laughs> horrified what he he that he did and then his next two starts, he's gone 12.2 innings, give up one earned run total, 15 strikeouts. And, you know, is it just the fact that he's using his cutter more? Is that all he needed to do? Because he seems like a much better pitcher when he decides to actually throw his cutter a lot more than he did in his first start. Yeah, at the same time, the cutter last year for Darvish was a detrimental pitch that allowed a lot of homers on its own, right? I, You never know. Darvish, Darvish changes a lot. It's just kind of the nature of it once again. And uh, he threw a splitter as 19% the first time and only 8% in this most recent one against the Dodgers. You just you just don't know. We, we have no idea. And we're going to live with that. That's just, again, like Dylan Cease, these are the premium cherry bombs that we deal with. Uh, at the end of the day right now, it's kind of funny. He had a 4.22 ERA last year, and it's a 4.43 right now, but a 110 whip and now a 109. It's... <laughs> Yeah, welcome to Darvish, y'all, and uh, you're just going to keep starting him. And then the one pitcher in this tier that actually bumped up, Shohei Otani, we already knew he had nasty strikeout stuff, but when he puts it all together like he did in his last start, those six innings where he just just absolutely destroyed Astros hitters, is that something you think we could see more of this season from him? Well, this was a start that two things changed. Uh, one, he changed a little bit of the mechanics uh, of how he was uh, you know, coming to the set and everything. And he used his slider way more. It was absurdly good. I did a full breakdown of the entire start for YouTube. Check it out. It's 30 minutes long. 38 or something. <laughs> it's the best 38 minutes. Speed through it. I sound hilarious when I'm on 175 speed, which I'm sure actually a lot of people do two a time, lot with this. Speed you, you're a two-time boy? Oh, oh man. <laughs> Oh, God. Actually, Spore sent me a hilarious uh, video of listening to us on like two times speed and super high pitched. It's terrible. Don't do that. <laughs> Slow down. Everybody doing it two times. Slow down. No. <laughs> I, but anyway, this Otani game showcased an amazing slider. I mean, seriously, he did such a good, good job of keeping it down and consistent getting strikes and all these whips. I mean, I want to say it was like a 63% CSW, if I remember correctly, something along those lines, just with the slider. And he threw about 50% of the time and really reduced the fastball usage. And that's awesome. I don't know if that can happen every time, though. It really felt like something that Otani was leaning into because it was just that good. And he had success with it. Uh, I think we've been saying Otani should throw that slider more often in the first place. 
maybe this is him really doing that for a change and it sticks in some way. But my guess is that we won't see this Otani every time. Still, I think he's making uh, his starts worthwhile. And I noticed myself in tier six, seeing a lot of injury questions. You know, Sandoval is certainly an injury question. You have all these one. Um, Alex Wood is one. And you know, Sean Manaya has certainly gone through two. And I thought, yeah, you know what? I think I might be undervaluing a little bit when it comes to Otani, especially considering that I put out the uh, Otani roundup <laughs> and then he responded by improving vastly. Uh, and he hasn't been skipped yet. You know, it's been a six band where he's actually made each of those starts. So I, you know, my grand assumption of 130 innings being the cap, you know, I'm looking back at myself being like, maybe you were wrong about that. I don't know. I have a 32 now. That's always scary too. Cause he's such a big piece of their entire future that, you know, maybe they slow him down at a certain point. If, if, you know, an injury creeps up or two, mm. I feel like 130 innings was a, a fair prediction for him. Um, but I, we'll kind of see how it plays out here, but you tease the next tier. And in this next tier, we have Patrick Sandoval, the Irish Panda, Nathan Ivaldi, Logan Gilbert, Alex Wood, Ty, or Sylor McGill. Ty Lord. <laughs> Ty McGill. Lord. We call him Ty Lord in this house. There's also, uh, someone said yesterday, uh, the McGilla gorilla. Uh, oh yeah. I've seen that one. Sure. Uh, <laughs> there's so many good ones with him. Uh, Joe Ryan, Michael Kopech, and Sean Manaya. I really like this tier because I think we're starting to get into some really interesting guys. What do you have the name for this tier and why do you call it that? I'm going to call it the couch because, yeah, you're chilling with these guys. You're not really like, you're not thinking about moving them. You have them on your roster and you think, yeah, this is pretty cool. I'm ha- I'm happy with this and I feel good about it. Uh, I saw somebody... Uh, quoting, I think, you know, XFIP about Joe Ryan. I think he's overperforming or so. And I do want to make a very quick point about that, where the reason I have Joe Ryan where I have him now is because first start, didn't do well, depressed velocity. Last two starts, backup 92-93 that we saw in spring training. Looks fantastic with it. And uh, it's not just XFIP, but it's all ERA estimators or just ERA itself. And generally, when it comes to WHIP at this point, I am not paying attention <laughs> Uh, these ranks are have nothing to do with those ERA estimators considering how small of a sample size. And I'll mention that a bit with, I think, the very last person on the list of how it's an interesting story and we'll talk about them. But uh, yeah, with Joe Ryan, I don't, I can't tell you what the ERA estimators are. I can't tell you what he, you know, even the next in my first instinct as well, comparing Joe Ryan to the average homer of a fly ball rate doesn't seem right considering he is a fly ball pitcher. And generally fly ball pitchers, if they're surviving in the league, do a decent job at suppressing home runs better than the average uh, fly ball, right? Generally ground ball guys, when they allow fly balls, they go far. Um, generally, if you're a fly ball guy like Chris Young, you know, oh he, God, he suppressed on runs, right? So, I mean, that's that's why generally XFIP is it's a nice understanding saying, oh, cool, if, if home runs were like this, but I don't I don't really listen a whole lot to it. Um, but anyway, I, Joe Ryan throwing harder, looking good. Feel like he can go six plus for the twins on any given night. Things are cool there. And, uh, is there anyone that sticks out for you here? Well, you actually, I was going to ask you about Joe Ryan cause I really like him and you brought up the home runs per like that is he's pressing home runs only 1.13 home runs per nine allowed. And I actually tweeted about him a couple days ago, nearly doubling his slider usage from last year. 
a 42.9% whiff rate, a .158 XBA. He had five whiffs on 12 swings in his last start against Kansas City. And Nick, I've, I've become a huge, like when I see a pitcher is increasing their slider usage <laughs> and it's a good pitch, I just fall in love. Like, So, I mean, so you're in love with Chad Cool then? Uh, I don't know if I'd go that far. <laughs> uh, but <laughs> but there's, there's a limit. But. Chad Cool is like going extreme slider and it was absurd the last two starts. But I'm not, I didn't even put him on the list because he's cores and... Yeah. What does cores do? It it makes those things worse. But everybody has to have a limit. So he's he's kind of <laughs> where I have to put the hand up. But with I mean with Joe Ryan, like he already had, you know, people were saying that he had some deception in his delivery, uh, and that you know he wasn't throwing hard, but he was still getting a lot of strikes, still you know looking really good last season. And now with the increased velocity, the fact that he's increased the slider usage, and it's absolutely disgusting when you watch his slider. Um, I think a slider can. Personally, just from what I've watched and just kind of studying stuff over the last few years, if a pitcher has a really good slider, that can change their whole career because that type of breaking pitch, you can play your fastball off of that. And I think that, you know, that can change people's careers, like I was saying. And I, I just, for some reason with Joe Ryan, I don't think this is a fluke. And maybe he's one of those pitchers, and we've seen some where the ERA estimators are always potentially show that there should be some regression. It just never show like happens. And I wouldn't be shocked if he's one of them. Like, like you said, I'm not necessarily worried about those right now. He looks like a completely different pitcher this season. And I think he's going to be the ace of the twin staff at least the next couple of years. And he's going to get a lot of chances to pile on innings and strikeouts. So he's somebody I don't have very much of, and I'm actually regretting it a ton right now. Hmm. Okay. Uh, so, so, so first of all, it's a one six nine year, right? We all know that's not going to stick. So yes, yes. there's going to be regression. Hey, what's up? And even the XFIP is under four, three, nine, eight for Joe Ryan with a three, eight, four FIP. It's sure, you know, even if it is that, then like, okay, that's not terrible. 10% homer fly ball rate. By the way, you're going to see different fly ball rates on us because what is a fly ball, David Mendelson? How do you define that? That's a question for another time. Think about <laughs> it. You know, it's, it's such a hard, annoying thing to actually define. Anyway, I, I will say about the slider. The one element I have not been impressed with is that he hasn't done a, a great job locating them. And he did get 11 whiffs against the, uh, the, the Red Sox with that slider, but Joe Ryan didn't actually put them where you normally put them, which would be down and away from righties. When you see a lot of success with the slider, you always think essentially down in glove side, just against a lefty against the righty. Look at DeGrom. He doesn't change it. I, uh, and essentially Chris sale, he does the same thing, goes away from lefties, goes down into righties. You know, if this is how sliders work and that that's how they're the most effective. It's just how it is. Joe Ryan didn't really do that a whole lot against the Red Sox. He did a little bit better against the Royals, but I, I, I don't really see this. What I want to see is a little dot, essentially the down and away corner, right? From uh from a righty. I'm not really seeing that with a slider so far. He did say in the zone a lot with the slider, so it did force batters to do something about it. Um, you know, 51% zone rate against the Red Sox with that slider. But yeah, Joe Ryan to me is. I really want that slider to be a big thing. And if it is, I mean, the fastball we already know is a fantastic pitch. It's uh, it swings strike rate around 15%. It makes him the 22nd among all starting pitchers with four seamers, which is pretty dang cool. Uh, it's, and if he has that slider as a proper number two pitch, sweet. Uh, I'm not totally sold yet that the slider will perform as it has thus far. I still love Joe Ryan, though. Yeah, and the mustache only... <laughs> Further makes that we love him. Well, okay. that's what it is. Oh, Cease and Joe Ryan. I get it now. <laughs> the mustaches and the sliders, man. Yeah, that's right. What I go for. Uh, 
But someone in this tier we have not talked about, I think, in the four shows I've done with you, and I want to bring him up, Nathan Evaldi. Ah. And uh, somebody that on the surface level, you know, a 3-6 ERA and three starts so far this season, 19 strikeouts in 14.2 innings. But some of the surface level stats, and, and we know we talked about expected stats not necessarily always being the whole story, you know, his expected ERA is over a run higher. But the thing that I'm looking at, and I'm interested to hear your thoughts, just what are your thoughts on exit velocity, max EV? Because right now he's in the bottom 1% of the league of max exit velocity, and he's in the bottom 8% of the league of just average exit velocity. A lot of ERA metrics are showing huge regression from him. Are, are you expecting that he's going to regress some, or do you think he's going to be the Nathan Evaldi we've gotten to know the last couple seasons? I mean, yeah. And when it comes to exit velocity stuff, I care more just about hard contact percentage, which is the percentage of at-bats or plate appearances that end in a ball hit 95 mile per hour or harder. Uh, so that's essentially a hard hit percentage over plate appearance. Uh, Alexander Chase, that's a shout-out to him. He's amazing. <laughs> and it is it is higher this year. Uh, 34% uh, hard contact rate for Evaldi this year, as opposed to the 26% we've really seen over the past five years. Um, that's a problem, but honestly, I think it's just a small sample. Uh, you know, his fast was getting hit harder. His curveball is still really good. And his splitter has a 23% swing strike rate right now. That is 79% strike rate. Maybe he's floating a couple of those in the zone a bit more often than he normally does. A 44% zone rate is the highest he's had. In the last five years, and that's why Evaldi's allowing a 46% hard contact rate on that splitter. That is when it ends at bats, which is very minimal. And yeah, that only has ended 13 at bats thus far. I mean, it's it's kind of it's kind of wild. You know, you can't really pull so much from that. Honestly, I think that Nathan Evaldi is just kind of Nathan Evaldi now. He has a good curveball, he gets for strikes, he still throws hard. Um, and really, I mean, he's had six strikeouts in each of his three starts. He's fine, guys. Don't worry about Nathan Nivaldi. There's a lot of positivity today. I, I really like it. I feel like it's been <laughs> Oh, all... we're talking about the first half That's true. <laughs> uh, of the list. So we might go a little bit long and talk about some of the other guys. Yeah, this next tier, tier seven, Kyle Wright, Jesus Lazardo, Tariq Skubal, Nestor Cortez Jr., Tyler Molly, and Eric Lauer. Nick, I'm going to ask you what the name of this tier is and why you call it that. And then I'm going to strap myself in while you talk about Kyle Wright. So go <laughs> ahead. I'm going to call this the puppies and the cat because like I can just see myself just being so content just as as hanging out with all of these youngins. Um, Kyle Wright, Luzardo, Scooble, you know, Cortez, Lauer, just feeling so elated. And then there's the cat, Tyler Molly, that just kind of is like, why aren't you paying attention to me? And you just the whole vibe is ruined by you. Okay. If you've noticed, I might not be a cat person. <laughs> I'm finding that out now. I'm so yeah. sorry. No, I mean, I, I just, I just love dogs so, so much. And I'm like, <laughs> why would you ever get a cat? I understand you don't want the responsibility of a dog and you want a pet and they can be wonderful. I just, I just love dogs. But um, Kyle writes, I mean, he's just done wonderful things. And I think the number one uh, question mark we had about Wright entering this year that we, you know, we always were intrigued by the stuff. And I remember being excited for him about two years ago, maybe three even, um, as he had an opportunity at the job for the uh, for for Atlanta. I think it was 2019, and he just was horrible. A 193 whip in 2019. I mean, it was it was a, an atrocity every step of the way. 14% walk rate whenever we saw him in the majors, and all of a sudden we have a 3% walk rate through three starts for Kyle Wright. Uh, he's just doing it all with it. I mean, the curveball has been insane. A 40%. CSW thus far, 72% strike rate on it. 
in every step of the way prior whenever we saw it was way under 60% strike rates. It's fantastic. Um, and he throws it in the zone 52% of the time. He gets whiffs. He gets a O swing at 43%. I mean, Kyrie's curveball is just, it's a Bitcoin pinch. It's a pitch. It's not even a money pitch. It's a, it's a Bitcoin <laughs> offering. And meanwhile, the, the sinker gets strikes in the zone. I mean, 66% um, strike rate. I think last start was really impressed by the command against the Marlins where Kyrie got that pitch glove side consistently. And then the four seamer at the top, properly elevated with precision. That's why he has a 32% swing strike rate on his four seamer thus far. Not going to stick, but that's pretty cool. Yeah, 20 whiffs on 95 pitches in his start against the Marlins. Cast page entirely red, 95th per, or top five percentile and K percentage and expected stats. I mean, they're just, it's a beauty just looking did, at his did, stat cast page honestly. did you say stat cast page um you're not talking about the red on his pitcher list page right the pitcher list stat cast page yeah. is where you need to be looking yes at, that's where i need to be looking with stat cast data and and mlb averages and ranks so you can say oh man his 16.7 percent swing strike rate is 15th among all starting pitchers good job kyle right that's that's what I'm Nick Nick. I just wanted to make sure you had another chance to plug the pitcher list. <laughs> that's why I was doing the whole time. Of course, and it's hard contact rate really good, eighteen percent. You know that's twenty seventh among all starting pitchers this year. And last year, Freddie Peralta had it as number one at seventeen percent. So don't think of it as oh no, it's not that great. No, that's really good, and he can sustain that. That's insanely good. Yeah, he's. I mean, I saw many people say he's this year's Robbie Ray. Would you go that? Kyle far? Wright? No. Yes. No. He would be, uh, hmm. I don't know who he would be the comp. I don't know. But Robbie Ray needs to be someone that was more of a thing beforehand. He's like a post-hype sleeper, you know? Uh, so maybe like like older Patrick Corbin when he wasn't very good oh, for a bit and then all of a sudden did name, well. That name makes me throw up. Now. Yeah, he has five slider whiffs among all of his three starts. <laughs> and Bruce Zimmerman got four of them in 12 thrown. In his last outing. I just, I think that's a funny stat. What did the Nationals do with Patrick Corbin? He's like three more years, right? Of a crazy amount of money. They turn him into a long reliever. You know, the Yankees should have signed him. <laughs> um, Yeah. No, you just keep starting. Who else is going to do it for the Nationals? I mean, you pretty much are guaranteeing you're going to lose every time you throw him out there. No, no, that's not true. Oh, absolutely not true. Nick. Not. No, it's not. so bad. No, he's not. No, no. I think we lose sight of this. Um, if you're allowing, let's say, I, uh, if you have like a five ERA for a season, which you, I assume you're saying is just so bad, that can well, be a season of, of having a lot of games around two earned runs or so over six frames. And then you have a bad one. Like Corbin had a fair amount of productive outings last year. You know, it's not just you throw him out there and all of a sudden he goes four innings of, uh, four and runs or something like that. And I calls it a day. He has been very detrimental this year. It's been three starts. I imagine there'll be good Patrick Corbin starts sometime this year. I don't want it for my fantasy team, but yeah, you know, we, we recognize there is some value into what Patrick Corbin will give the Nationals. It's not enough, but it's something. I mean, his walks, right? It's early on, obviously. It's three games. Yeah, I mean, he'll get slider whiffs at some point. I mean, Max EV is for the fourth straight <laughs> year really high. <laughs> the <laughs> The Woba. <laughs> Why are we spending time with Patrick Corbin? Get out of here, Corbin. <laughs> Get out of here. Okay, Patrick Corbin. That was your mention, even though you're not on this list. He was <laughs> he was on it a little while ago. So it just this is just remember. Well, yeah, because we were wondering, like, all right, I'm not going to completely write him off after three, right. but like, might as well chase other things at this point. 
Let's talk about nasty Nestor Cortez Jr., who mm. has been keeping it up for your New York Yankees. And it looks like I, I know Kyle, guys like Kyle Wright, Jesus Lazardo, Patrick, or, uh, Patrick Sandoval. These guys have gotten more kind of hoopla for what they're doing. But Nestor Cortez deserves some love, and you gave him love, bumping him up 10 spots this week. Oh, man. Nestor Cortez is doing such a good job with his cutter and his four-seamer. It's, it's really remarkable. I... I did not give him enough credit in 2021 when he was throwing a 78% strike rate with that cutter and then the the slider at 70% and the four-seamer that felt like it just wasn't quite doing enough and it felt as if Cortez Jr. just had some smoke and mirrors last year. But, I mean, he, everything has just gotten better. The four-seamer's gone from 11% swing strike rate to a 16.5 thus far. Uh, O-swing is up 10 ticks as well. It, that that's just wonderful and it's the same velocity it's just really good command and that cutter he's leaned into that pitch it was only five percent usage last year and then cortez jumped it up to nearly 40 percent was it done 78 percent strike rate with a 36 percent csw it's it's allowed an average of zero eight <laughs> so eight percent hit rate if you want to say with average that's not how it works but i like thinking of it that way i it's it's pretty cool and the Yankees are, well, they should be a winning team. They're not, but maybe they should be. And they're allowing Nestor Cortez to go a full six because why the heck not? Um, hopefully that that curveball, sort of slider rather, um, can keep being a 24% called strike pitch. It's not a whiff offering, which is unfortunate, but it seems pretty good with Cortez right now. And he can't be stopped. No, he can't. I've never seen somebody that tops out. About like what 92, 93. I know his average mile per hour on his four seam is just under 91. But he was, I just keep going back to that game against the Orioles where he literally Insane. blowing away. Like they yeah. were swinging when it's in the glove. And I was like, how can he make it look that much like 96, 97 to these guys? And it's just, he's just been incredible. VAA, that vertical approach angle. He gets a very nice low angle um, and he's peppering the top of the zone with it. Uh, it it's great. 57% high lock has high location. He's not going down with these. He's actually elevating effectively. It's cool to see. That was something I believe weren't the Yankees really big on that. One of the first teams of elevating the fastball. Yeah, maybe. I mean, the Astros is the one that first comes to mind and then the Rays as well. Okay. But, but maybe that maybe the Yankees, I don't, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I know they had, they had it. They're very much in their ways of how they like pitchers to go. Sure. Um, but Eric Lauer, and I, this one I know will go a little longer than other tiers, but Eric Lauer also needs to be mentioned. He's up 18 spots, 13 strikeouts. Angel Hernandez with a nice assist last night. Um, oh, my but, God. But he, I mean, even with that, looks very good. The 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 uh, fastball velo is up this year. He just looks more confident on the mound. Is this something you think? I saw someone throw a, a picture out there with four aces, four ace cards <laughs> last night. Can he be in that same tier with those other three guys? And once uh, once Ashby shows up, you've got AA there. So you got pocket aces on top. So you got six aces once it's once Aaron Ashby is there, right? Now, um, I've I've been a fan of Eric Lauer this offseason, and then I wasn't, and then I was, and then I wasn't. It was a very tumultuous time. Uh, this is the thought process. Eric Lauer increases velocity on his fastball last year, had success with it. Raised his eye uh, is four seamers swing strike rate from 8.5% in 2020 to 14% in 2021. Awesome to see that Eric Lauer. So what does he do? Well, he has a groin injury. So now he's delayed. 
And I was thinking of Eric Lauer as this nice late uh, play. Like, oh, I think he can get me some innings early on in the season, and we'll kind of see how that goes. But then he has a groin injury, so he's behind. Is he even starting the first time? I don't know. So I, I push away from Eric Lauer. He shows up the first game, and it's a little bit shaky. He allows this grand slam to Cedric Mullins, but still kind of looked good, and the velocity was there, and that's cool. But I don't know if we're going to jump in on this. Then he does well, um, I believe, against the Pirates. Uh, yes, against the Pirates, five strikeouts, six innings. But it wasn't quite this coming out party for him, right? Just four whiffs on the four-seamer. And I thought, okay, you know what? He's going against the Phillies. Kind of see how that goes. And I'm sure I can pick him up after that because he's still going to be like 10 15% roster, something along those lines. And what does he do? Yeah, 13 strikeouts with the assist of Angel Hernandez. But what's amazing about it is the fastball is at 94. And he got 11 whiffs on 37 thrown. Meanwhile, the cutter is getting a ton of strikes. It's just so good. It's just so good. The combination of the two. And then he has this curveball and slider that he throws into the zone. I, I'm just such a fan of this. And as you saw him against righties, he was just overwhelming. It's in your 20% swing strike around the four-seamer against right-handers as a lefty. And guys are going to keep sending lefties up against him. It, it's it's really fun. He's He was available before this start in the under 20% of leagues, I believe. And it's about time that we just kind of recognize that the Brewers are going to allow Eric Lauer to go six innings constantly with a fastball that's going to get him there. And do I think he's going to be a three ERA with a, what is it at now? 35% strikeout rate? No, I don't believe that. But I believe he's going to be a 25% plus or at least hover 25% with a, with good ratios. And he'll go decently long for a Brewers team that can't hit. So you might not get wins, but hey, that's okay. 13.1% swing strike rate, 30.3% CSW. Just looks really good this year. And if you have not checked out the Pitcherless StatCast page, this is all available there it is. at the yes. of a button. Got it right. The Pitcherless StatCast page. <laughs> yes, that's where you need to be. And it actually is really cool because if you're used to looking at the Baseball Savant one, this is a nice changeup because you emphasize different stuff. And it's very easy to find pitchers, specifically swing strike rate, which is not easy to find on Baseball Savant. CSW's right there. Uh, things that you like on fan graphs they're all right here it's a nice kind of blend of the two of them right we, we never we never truly feel that we're going to replace any of those things the places because you know there's amazing stuff that savant does obviously fan graphs is the is the staple we kind of felt that we made this um different different way of looking at it um for me as a pitching analyst i wanted certain things from both and to be able to present them in a certain way especially with league averages for every single stat mm-hmm. on our page which helps me learn about all this stuff as, as it goes on too. So yeah, if you guys are doing, I mean, we have this for hitters too, <laughs> you know, it's not just pitching. Um, but, uh, but yeah, you guys hopefully can find some, uh, you know, this will help you guys out uh, when you do your research. Yeah, it's, it's fantastic. Uh, all right. Now we're going to go into this next tier and we have tier eight, Eduardo Rodriguez, Matt Brash, Jordan Montgomery, Noah Syndergaard, Nick Lodolo, Luis Garcia, Tanner Houck, Tristan McKenzie, and Hunter Green. So what is the name of Tier 8, and then why you call it that? I'm trying to find, like, different topics, because you called me out on the food thing. I mean, I like the food. I'm okay with that still going. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call it the, um, the red plaid shirt tier. And what I mean by that is it's a fine shirt. You know, it's like it's if the other shirts are not really doing it, like if they're in the wash or so, you're not going to wear that and think, oh, I'm really upset with myself. Like, no, I'm happy that I have this red plaid shirt today. 
And if you are wearing one right now, I think it's a great shirt. You know, good job. That's a that's a lovely time. And like with all these guys in this tier, they're not going to. I, I think you won't. You know, you'll be happy that you have them, right? Eduardo Rodriguez is going to be a a safe guy. Uh, I think through the season. And I, I really wrestled with that one, actually, in particular, being like, what do we actually expect from Erod? But at the end of the day, lots of strikeouts should be coming as we go, should get a decent amount of wins, and the ratio shouldn't be terrible. So, ta-da, you're up to 48 now, Erod, through this entire yo-yo of a ranking you've seen in the past month. I got to ask you about Matt Brash. He was the one that stuck out to me. And yeah. for as awesome as he is, Pitching Ninja does a great job of all the swords that he draws when he pitches, but he's got an over 17% walk rate right now. Oh yeah. Not great. Close to 1.5. <laughs> if you have him in a, a 12 team league, cause 15 team leagues, I'm sure you're going to hold on to him. But if you're in a 12 team league, is he somebody that you're going to hold no matter what? Or are you like, okay, dropping him potentially for someone like Christian Javier, who I'm sure we'll talk about a little bit. Mm. Uh, no, I would hold on. I, I think it's way too soon for us to give up on someone with such incredible potential. In, in Matt Brash. Um, you're going to see it, but like, wait, Nick, he just has a 20% carry and a 17% walk rate. This is, this is bad right now. You know, I think, I know there's a discussion inside of the people plus discord about like, how good is Brash? Is he detrimental to us? Should we actually be doing this? Or is he actually someone you have to hold on to? And I think it's very easy to, to say this after, uh, after what we've seen, I, there, there are a couple of really good things that should say, no, this is, this is someone we need to be holding on to. One is the fact that he's got at least 85 pitches in each of his starts. Uh, I, I, two is that the fastball is still really good. I, I mean, it's it can get hit hard, 31% hard contact rate. But I do love the fact that once he gets into the zone, like it's a worthy gamble because the curveball is that good when it's close to the plate. He wastes a lot of them right now. But this is what we see when guys come up is that they take some moment for them to adjust and adapt. And then once they do, oh my, you know, and it just gets unleashed. And you can certainly make this decision saying, you know what? I think it's going to be too long. I think I think he needs to go back to AAA, figure it out. He's going to continuously have these terrible walk games. Fine. That's, I, I totally get that. I would say in most leagues, you're looking at your waiver wire and you're looking at Matt Brash. And you say, I would rather stash for just one week just to kind of see if he's going to go, you know, another seven walk game or something stupid, or if he's actually going to adjust and do the right thing. And I, I think everyone listening understands this potential. It's about your league and, and where you're at. I put Brash at 49 because I kind of felt that the other ones don't quite carry the same ability that Brash has. And it, it can be a league winner, essentially. So I'm holding on to him wherever I can. Uh, I anticipate Brash to make the adjustments he needs to so that he does stick around in Seattle and then coast through the year. Yeah, he's somebody obviously looked really great early on. And yeah, I mean, stick it out with him. He deserves, obviously, a little bit more time. And yeah, the, the stuff, obviously, the electric. We all can see that for sure with everything he's doing. Somebody who I've I've kind of seen people sour on a little bit more recently is Noah Syndergaard. How dare they? <laughs> well, I mean, I to, have a little too. <laughs> are you going to come to Thor's defense here or are you going to kick him while he's down? Well, I am going to give him props for something. And in his last start, guess what? Uh, Thor threw 20 sliders. 
that's kind of cool. He threw strikes with them. Were they amazing? No, it was two for 20 whiffs. <laughs> but that's good. And I understand everyone saying, oh, right, we expect Russia from him. Yes, we do. We absolutely, absolutely do expect uh, Babip to not go his way. It's a 118 right now. Yeah, okay. That's, uh, or sorry, 200, I should say, 118 on the sinker. Um, Syndergaard is a guy that has gone through his career having terrible Babips. And considering that he throws softer than he did before with a worse slider, yeah, I don't expect him to hold a 200 Babip. At the same time, I don't think that he's necessarily bad for your teams. And if I have Syndergaard, maybe he's actually doing something that holds on to it. There's, I think there's this idea that we think a guy is going to regress, so we have to rank them poorly. But imagine yourself the fantasy manager. You're going to Vargas rule us at the very least. You are not dropping Noah Syndergaard right now as he's doing well. That's just that's just the nature of this. And I am, I think, aligned with everybody souring on him in the sense that I think Syndergaard is not this good. 212 ERA, 0.82 whip. Like, it's going to get worse. Only a 16% K rate, right? We know this. However, you're not going to do anything now. You know, you can't sell him. You can't trade him away for something. If you can and cash that in, of course. But I'm not going to drop him, you know? And because of that, we're going to hope for the best. That maybe, you know, two things. One, either that he can pull this off in some way and that all the regression we scream about doesn't actually arrive this year. Or two, the thing that I think gets overlooked the most is we make this assumption after three starts that this is the who the guy is and that he can't get better. He can't do things to nullify that regression. Um, and that's the hardest thing we do, of course, is saying, oh, this guy has performed this way thus far. Is he going to keep performing at this way, you know, or in this fashion moving forward? I don't know. <laughs> it's the hardest thing that we do. So I say with Noah Syndergaard, if you got it right now, cool. I'm, I'm glad he's doing well. Do I anticipate him being excellent the rest of the year? Not necessarily, but yeah, you keep holding on to him right now. If you have him, are you in a weekly league? Are you benching him if you see that he has two tough matchups or one tough matchup? Or are you comfortable no matter who he's playing that you're going to leave him in your lineup? Uh, he's not a complete, it's always nuanced every single week. He's not a complete, like you start and forget about it. Uh, let's see who he's facing this week. I mean, it is the the Angels, so rarely will you get the two-start week unless he starts on right. Monday and they have no day off. He gets the White Sox this week. I don't know if I want to do that. It is the White Sox who have been struggling offensively, but you know, Eloy's gone now, and uh, uh, Luis Robert is back, so maybe they're okay, and so is A.J. Pollock. Uh, so maybe that's a good offense again now, so then Sunday the guard is, is a tough one. That's a tough call, I would say, on Friday. But yeah, you play it start by start at this point. That's right. Let's go to this next tier, tier nine. Merrill Kelly, Ranger Suarez, Framber Valdez, Ian Anderson, Carlos Carrasco, Jose Urquidy, and Bailey Ober. Tier nine's looking fine. Nick, what are we calling this tier? I'm not letting you do this. Uh, Nick Lodolo <laughs> and Luis Garcia, we got to talk about this. We, I'm sorry, we have to. There's so much <laughs> movement. There's so much movement in tier eight. I know. Okay, we're, we're, I, we are going long. I got to do this. Give me two seconds. Nick Lodolo looked good. really good with his fastball upstairs. I love when he do it. I think he has a low arm angle. And I think he really kind of exposed, like, yes, I can get whiffs of that fastball when I get it upstairs. He's not doing enough quite yet. I think he can. Slider also needs to be commanded down and in more to, to righties. If he can do that, those two things, oh, my God, Lodolo is going to soar. Luis Garcia is throwing 95 all of a sudden. 
it's blowing my mind because all of a sudden he's a new pitcher again. He did the same thing he did in the previous start. Now it's yeah. two straight starts of doing this. And cutters and sliders are not really that great, but he allowed a three-run homer to the Jays. I think a lot of people are just going to say, oh, he allowed five-run runs. He essentially allowed like two in five and two-thirds, like whatever. I uh, Luis Garcia is very intriguing to me now because if he gets those secondaries back with this velocity, ooh, that's pretty cool. Meanwhile, Tristan McKenzie's command is a little bit wonky, and Hunter Green is throwing 96, but he's not hurt. But I thought he was supposed to, he threw the, the most 100-mile-per-hour pitches of anybody. He says and now he's at 96. After his last start. And an too. off day. Yeah, yeah, four miles per hour down on an off day. <laughs> uh, whatever. We're just going to still hold Hunter Green, and then we're going to see. Okay, I need I need to get that out of the way because those are, those are some big movers. They were, and you were still. I mean, you've had you were one of the few that's had Ladolo over Green, and right now, I mean, Ladolo's looking pretty good. Ah, uh, uh. I know it's I know it's a small sample, but Ladolo. I mean, he doesn't rely as much on velocity like Hunter Green does, which is no, but his deal. fastball still gets whiffs. Yeah, and I mean, it's he's a also fastball. a lefty too, which I, is also doesn't hurt him either. But, Lower arm angle, which makes it harder to hit. Same VAA thing. Uh, it, it's very interesting. I think his command is the big question, and we don't know how much he'll need from here to succeed. We'll see. All right, so sorry. Tier 9. Right, so Merrill Kelly, Ranger Suarez, from Valdez, Ian Anderson, Carlos Carrasco, Jose Okiti, Bailey Ober. I'm going to call it the third pig <clears throat> because it's the brick house that the wolf can't blow down, and it's like your last line of defense after you have like the straw and the what wooden one um, from the three pigs. Uh, <laughs> like this is the last line of like, okay, I feel fine with this. You know, Merrill Kelly is looking great with his changeup. Fastball velocity is down, but if it, that new changeup is making him a different guy from last year, hopefully the fastball comes back. Ranger Suarez is still good. He's essentially a better Toby. Framber Valdez, a little shaky. Same with Ian Anderson. Ian Anderson. So frustrating. <laughs> oh man. They're both very frustrating. Yeah. How do you, how do you feel about all these guys? I have Ian Anderson in a couple leagues, and I felt like he was kind of a little bit undervalued in draft season. But, I mean, I'm a little bit just worried just looking into his profile a little bit more. Like, obviously, you look so far his season, the, the 2.2 innings, five earned runs. Then he looked great in his second start, seven strikeouts and 5.2 innings. Now only four Ks and five innings in his last start. Um, nothing he's doing great or nothing he's doing bad is kind of everything all over the place for him. But once you get into kind of his, like his pitch mix too, like everything looks the same. But this was a guy when he first burst on the scene as a rookie early on, he looked like he was going to be a frontline guy in this rotation. And I don't know if it's just the league has caught up to him and he just hasn't adjusted. Uh, I mean, he's someone that's really hard for me to figure out. And I really don't know how I feel about him. Framber Valdez, I I feel a little bit better about because I know he's going to be a great ground ball guy. And somebody that I'm not going to expect is going to be an elite pitcher, but somebody that I can put as my SP4, uh, SP3, SP4, and I know what I'm going to get out of him mostly. Uh, but, but Ian Anderson's such a mystery box to me. Do you have any idea of what Ian Anderson is? Man, that 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 April 16th start for me, Anderson was glorious. Oh, it was so it was so glorious. His changeup. Just do yourself a favor and look at the strike zone plot of that game. And hey. You can do it on the game logs on our site. Just click on any of the, the lines, any of the rows for a game, and you'll see the expanded details. And you'll see green just centralized or, a, or not or condensed down and away 
right from lefties, you know, arm side and down. It's so perfect. It's why he had 11 whiffs on 34 changeups in that game. It was such a good start from Ian Anderson. And his changeup wasn't so far away from that in the, the recent start against Miami. He still had eight whiffs on 30, but it wasn't quite as consistent. While his fastball just was not finding the zone as much. You know, only a 40% zone rate on it. And the curveball didn't quite get enough strikes. And there you go. Now it's disaster again. Ian Anderson quite can't, just can't quite be the, the consistent guy. He can't throw it in the zone as much as he wants to. I think his stuff is actually really good when it's in the zone. But he just struggles finding that timing. And I think at some point, you know, Ian Anderson's still really young when it comes to how many innings he's seen in the majors. Uh, he's only had 32 the first year, 128 in 2021. He hasn't seen 100, he hasn't seen 200 innings in the, in the majors yet. Just 174 for Ian Anderson. So I think over time, this is something that can get a lot better. He's 23. He does 24 next month, which is insane. It's just, when is it going to click? When is he actually going to find, oh, this is where my release point is supposed to be consistently? I don't know. So I have him here. And we, we even saw the successes recently his last start. So it could just show up tomorrow and that'd be wonderful. Yeah, it's still tough because I just want to leave him in my lineup. But there's certain times I, I'm looking at who he's playing a lot more than I should. And I was hoping I would going into the season. Yeah. Uh, this next tier, there's there's somebody in this next tier that I really want to talk about. And this tier I wonder 10, who it could be. Yeah. <laughs> it's not even who you think, honestly. Uh, there's not, okay. You want to talk about Reed Detmers? No, no. Well, I'm going to okay. read the list. I, mean, I always yeah. do. Yeah. Reed Detmers, <laughs> Aaron Ashby, Christian Javier, Michael Lorenzen, Mackenzie Gore. There were three pitchers that I loved going into this year. And I mm. was shouting from the rooftops that I wanted to draft as much as possible. And that was Tanner Houck. Aaron Ashby and Christian Javier and Ashby and Alk have had flashes, but not necessarily done anything noteworthy so far. Christian Javier getting into the rotation within the first month of the year. I mean, just so people know last year, just for some context, his slider had a minus 10 run value, a 0.98, a 0.98 XBA against a 49% whiff rate last year, a 0.155 Woba, and nine hits on 483 thrown last year. Um, he's also the only pitcher of nine starting pitchers that faced greater than 100 batters and had that minus 10 run value on his, leader, uh, on his slider and kept the usage of the pitch sub 30% last year. He was somebody that I was like, you're getting a huge break on his draft ADP right now because he's not a starter. Same with like Ashby, Halk. These were guys that had their draft costs sunk because... They weren't in the rotation, and I was waiting for him to get a chance, whether it's injury or performance. He's mm-hmm. looked great so far this year, and I know the run value was minus 10 on his slider last year. It's only minus one this year, but, I mean, it's still got a, a .14 XBA against, and everything just about Javier gets me excited. And, I mean, the strikeout stuff, the, the K percentage right now, is it's elite 38.7%, top 7% of the league. XBA uh, on it so far 0.178 against. And I know people talk about, yes, like he doesn't do as well in the rotation, but one of the big things he worked on in the bullpen last year that I was really excited about was that he basically was speeding through his delivery. And Mm. the pitching coach at the time, Brent Strom said, look, you need to slow down, stop trying to aim and throw strikes and just throw, because if you're trying to pinpoint where you're throwing, then you're off. The pitches aren't going. So 
he kind of changed his approach in the bullpen. And I think he's going to be somebody that's going to do well enough in the rotation where I think he could stick and take Jake Odorizzi's spot permanently. Uh, Nick, what are your thoughts on Christian Javier? I mean, we've been yelling about that for a while. Uh, first and foremost, uh, how dare you use 7%? That means you're on the StackHouse page and you're not on the <laughs> StackHouse page. I'm, I'm bouncing back and forth. Oh my God, how dare you? <laughs> Uh, this tier, by the way, um, which is Detmer's, uh, Ashby, Christian Javier, Michael Lorenzo, and Mackenzie Gore is called the Disney princess tier because we are currently in the first 20 minutes of the film as they're hoping for grander things. And all of these pictures are, are guys I see as should be ranked much higher than they are, but their time just hasn't arrived yet. And I look forward to seeing their ranking come August july or whatever as they fully blossom into who they should be so that stuff out of the way uh christian javier is someone who really has leaned into high lock this year with his four seamer which is really good to see that's why we've seen the 17.6 percent swing strike rate as opposed to 13 percent mark that we saw last year that's really good the slider is excellent he hasn't located it well so far he's hanging it up and that's why you have the high cult strike rate as opposed to the high swing strike rate that's why we're seeing that balance but Overall, he still just gets strikes with it. 61% strike rate, 37% CSW kind of matches. He does not allow hits on this. It's pretty shocking. It has not had an average allowed above 100. 2020, 2021, 2022, not happened for Christian Javier. So I dig this. I don't think Christian Javier is this elite potential starter. But I think if he is starting for the Astros, I want him on my team. I am worried that the Astros are going to start him this week and then just like, all right, cool, we're done, you know, moving on. I, for whatever reason, they've been wanting to start Odorizzi instead. It bothers me a ton. Um, I also worry that as a starter, we'll see hints of that 12% plus walk rate that we saw last year. And I wonder if he can suppress enough hard contact to keep that hit per nine around six again. Which is again like that? That's ridiculous that he did in 2021. That's why the whip was only 119 and not something like 127 with that high walk rate. Why 127? Don't ask. Uh, so I, I hope this is going to work out. I think he should be picked up everywhere for that start. And maybe, as you mentioned, he does so well that he demands um, that he gets more opportunities. I will say it should not be a long start. Um, he has not gone over 60 pitches yet this year. I imagine they would push him, but probably to about 65 to 70 as Christian Javier has gone 53 on the 13th and then 55 on the 20th. So we'll kind of see where he's at, but I imagine it won't be a very impressive start because he just won't get enough pitches to do so. However, if it's that good of an outing, maybe we'll see more of him. And that's kind of why he's in this tier at the moment. Hopefully next week I have to push him higher up. And another exciting pitcher in this tier that I'm interested in your thoughts on is Mackenzie Gore, who's up eight spots now to the 68. Someone who thought, I, I had many people telling me they thought that he was just a matter of time before he was brought back to AAA because, you know, they can't see him getting a spot in that rotation with all the other guys they have there. Obviously, Blake Snell on the aisle now helps. But if he keeps pitching the way he has been, if Blake Snell comes back, I mean, does he not get sent back down the way he's Nah, pitching? I get sent back down. I, I mean, he's there right now because he's still starting. He's going to be starting against the uh, the Reds. The Reds are just such an atrocity right now. It mm-hmm. doesn't matter that it's Great American Small Park. Hello, Casey Bubba. Uh, so you, you got to have, you got to hold on to Gore for that and just kind of cross your fingers. The assumption is that Clevenger and Snell next week are returning to the rotation. That makes a six, a seven-man rotation, really. 
And uh, that means that you got to kick out Mackenzie Gore. You're not going to kick out Nick Martinez. He does not have any minor league options. And the Padres certainly know how important pitching depth is. If there's any team that does, it's them. They went and got Sean Manaya to even force a seven-man situation. So, yeah, they're not going to get rid of Nick Martinez from this. Gore is the one with options. He's obviously going to go down. But who knows? Maybe there's an unfortunate setback. Maybe they want to stall some things up. Maybe someone else gets hurt. Who knows? You're going to be seeing Gore a lot this year, I think. Uh, and as of right now, he's still starting, so he's still here. And everyone else underneath this tier are in the complete, like, this is where he just gets like, Ugh, all right. I'd rather just have Gore for the start and just kind of see and get confirmation that he's getting sent down. Um, and once he does, then, of course, he's off the list. So that's why he's there at 68. And you kind of meant, touched on it. Now we get into uh, tier 11 and we start getting into some really oh. ugly red droppers here. Marcus Stroman, <laughs> Adam Wainwright, Nick Martinez, Josiah Gray, and Kyle Hendricks. Marcus Stroman and Adam Wainwright, both minus 17 from last week. What do you have the name for this tier as it's a very interesting group of guys? I would say uh, it's the six-year-old at the recital um, because... I just remember this as a kid. I was I was a, a spoiled little brat, and I did not want to be there. And it, it's like, do I have to? Is what I'm asking in tier 11 right now. And Marcus Stroman and Adam Wainwright, I imagine, are going to be more helpful than harmful this year. Uh, Kyle Hendricks, we've seen it more helpful so far. Uh, and I imagine also Nick Martinez should be good. I kind of wanted to put him in tier 10 as a Disney princess, but he's just not at the same level as of right now. Uh, and that that's the state we're in. But yeah, I don't want to have to be relying on these guys at the moment. And Josiah Gray, I think he makes too many mistakes. I think he's a very, very risky play. Yeah. And uh, Marcus Stroman specifically is somebody I'm, I'm really concerned about. Uh, is he somebody that you think has better days ahead personally? Or is he is he somebody like the name is why people are still kind of waiting out for him what are your thoughts on stroman yeah no stroman will be fine i mean he's not gonna have an 878 year right uh he's not gonna have a 168 whip rate so i mean he could be remotely close to it by the end of it i uh, guys go through these these moments and unfortunately for stroman it's going on right now uh but once we see the cutter and slider come more into play they'll you know they'll pick up and the sinker will not get as crushed as a 45 percent hard contact rate that it has right now things will be okay it's just not great right now and you know i have to say hey you might as well take chances on other things instead of struggling that's true well then let's get to tier 12 and this one's a little bit happier because there's a lot of risers in this one zach eflin cal quantrell jameson tyon marco gonzalez steven Matz, and miles michaelis you have three guys in this tier and tyon gonzalez and michaelis up double digits and i'm really happy for a guy like tyon who's had so many injury problems in the past trying to work his way back, and he's had a nice little start to the season. What is the name for this tier, and then what are your thoughts on these three guys that all have risen up so much over the last week? So this is called the bat flip tier because these are the best Tobies. <laughs> uh, I love that. And I I mean, this is what I do when I craft the list. If you guys watch it, I not only stream 9 a.m. to 11 a.m., as I mentioned on Twitch, you should be there. I also do a stream for the list. Uh, at 1 p.m. Eastern time every Monday. Um, I did it until like almost six today. I just hung out for a long time with everybody. It was really fun. 
Um, but you'll see that as I craft the list, I bucket guys. I, I purposefully say, okay, look, at the bottom of the tier, I, I want a section that is just, if I need something, are these okay and serviceable? And then I need, okay, I don't expect them. I don't want to pick them up right now, but I got to recognize that they could climb the list in the future. And then above that is tier 12, where it's like, all right, who are the Tobies that are fine, but I'm not, you know, I'm not chasing after these. I can imagine a lot of you are stuck with them at the moment. So you have all these guys, Eflin, uh, Quantrill, Tyone, Gonzalez. They've actually been doing all right, and that's cool. Miles, Michaelis, you know, Steven Matz. Yeah, and, and Michaelis is somebody, too, I feel like a lot of people forgot about just because he's kind of been out of baseball with injuries so much over the last couple of seasons. Mm-hmm. But he, he wasn't a bad pitcher when he was healthy a few years ago. And he's kind of reminding people that now with a team that has one of the best, if not the best defense in the major leagues, somebody that you know was getting a ton of ground balls before, and now he's even more so helping keep that ERA sparkling. If you had to pick one pitcher from this group, that you think could shoot up maybe a couple tiers, who would it be? Oh man, a couple tiers. I'll say this is tier twelve. Who could shoot up into tier nine or ten? I think that the best chances are either to Tyone or, Mar- or Marco Gonzalez. Um, Tyone, I'm just waiting for the breakers to actually come through. Um, he still has that really good four seam where he elevates, but there's just it quite isn't something else to get whiffs yet. Well, Marco Gonzalez just had two straight starts against the Rangers and Astros, where he not only survived but he thrived. And I could find myself saying, all right, fine, Marco, you win. Welcome back. It's 2020 again. You know, I can see that happening. Marco Gonzalez. This, uh, we're in 2022 and Marco Gonzalez is thriving. <laughs> look, look, the relationship I had with Marco Gonzalez after 2020, I was like, guys, he's a Toby. It was a Vargas rule. And I was like, no, <laughs> top 40. Like, oh, well, I don't know. You know, I hope it's right. You know, I hope it's great. And then he wasn't good. And then all of a sudden, second half, Marco Gonzalez was good. I was like, oh, hey, guys, Marco Gonzalez, come back in. Like, what? You hate him? Like, no, I don't. I I recognize, like, what he's doing. So then Marco Gonzalez, second half of the year, did really well. So then started the year, everyone's like, oh, he's doing great again. I'm like, well, no, there's no reason to chase that. Don't draft Marco Gonzalez. So if you don't draft Marco Gonzalez, he does kind of poorly. Now he's kind of doing well again. And I'm like, hey, what's up, Marco? Remember me? Join my team. Uh, so that might be the time. I don't know. We'll see what happens to Marco Gonzalez next couple starts, but I'm watching. You hear that, Marco? Nick's watching you, so you got to keep I'm watching. <laughs> it's like meet the parents. You're going to give him the yeah. look. <laughs> uh, we get to tier 13. Herman Marquez, Tony Gonsolin, Glenn Otto, Garrett Whitlock, Bruce Zimmerman, Dylan Bundy, Drew Rasmussen, Eliezer Hernandez, Mitch Keller, and Jordan Hicks. A lot of, uh, again, this is another interesting tier. It's like a rise from the dead as you have four guys that were unranked last week, all back to back here. Uh, So what is the name of this tier? And then why do you call it that? It's called the clipboard because we're looking down at the new recruits and saying like, all right, what's your name, son? (laughs) Uh, Glenn Otto is a very interesting one. And Garrett Whitlock, too. I'm going to talk about those guys really quickly. Glenn Otto getting called up by the Rangers. Really nice slider and has been commanding it well in that first start. And uh, he might actually be something. Uh, it's just something to consider. I think he has a bad matchup this week, but after that, I might want to chase some Glenn Otto. And Garrett Whitlock is starting because the Red Sox realized, oh no, we have to put someone in instead of Tanner Houck. They brought him in from relief, had a decent start over the weekend, but it was about 50 pitches or so. And now he's going against the Jays, and you can't really start him for that. But if he's really good, 
maybe the Red Sox say, you know what, Rich Hill, hmm, or maybe Michael Waka, I don't know. Maybe Garrett Willock should just take that spot. So something to consider. There's somebody in this tier, and I'm glad Fast isn't on for this. <laughs> Dylan Bundy, yeah. who is up on the ranks here, I refuse to buy into Dylan Bundy. Understood. I, I know he's just the type of guy, as soon as you're like, all right, I'm going to trust you. And then ah, that's like the Jeremy Hellickson. I called yes. him the devil back in the day because <laughs> uh, he would have a start where his changeup was amazing and he would have like a six inning, zero and runs, seven Ks. He'd welcome into the village and then he'd burn it down. Yeah. <laughs> so is is Dylan Bundy for real? I mean, you look if you go to his pitcherless stat cast page. Yeah, there it is. <laughs> and you look, he's got, a, you know, a, the K percentage is nowhere near what it was in Los Angeles when he was actually breaking out. His walk percentage is great, but he only has an 11.1% swinging strike rate, which is a little bit below average. 30% CSW, okay, uh, that's fine. But a, a 222 BABIP, I would expect that to go way up. And uh, he just seems like somebody that right now is is riding a nice little bit here. But the strikeout stuff does not appear to be there. And I feel like this is not something that's going to stick long term. Are you a little bit more optimistic with him? Okay, let me let me tell you something right now. I... Dylan Bundy has allowed allowed 20 home runs last year in 2021, despite throwing just 90 innings. How many home runs do you think he's allowed so far? None. The answer is none. Oh, is it really? Has there allowed any? That okay, that's probably not going to stick around. I uh, it's, it's a case where he's only allowed 15% hard contact on his four seamer thus far. Actually, sorry, 12 and a half percent, which is astounding. Uh, considering that it was always a 25% allowed one and allowed a lot of home runs before, and it's not doing it now. Slider usage kind of went up to 30% in that last start, which is really cool. But that fastball, by the way, it's coming in at 89. <laughs> and it's even worse. It's like, but it's doing okay. I I can't buy into this. I will say the curveball is coming in at a 50% called strike rate, which is pretty funny. <laughs> He's throwing 22 of them, 11 of them landed for a called strike. It's just uh, it's just working right now, and you're right. Don't get suckered into this, but I need to add him to the list because he's doing well right now, mm-hmm. and maybe that sticks around. Maybe. Twins are going to give him all the chances. Their pitching depth is oh, not yeah. very good. They, they do no. not develop pitchers very well, so they'll keep him around and uh, let him get innings there. The last tier, tier 14, Paul no, Blackburn. No, Bruce Zimmerman to- needs to be discussed. <laughs> Let's talk about Bruce Zimmerman. Okay. Bruce Zimmerman's changeup. Get this. All right. Among all starting pitchers, uh, and I'm not going to include Michael King into this. I'm sorry. And I'm not going to include Herman Marquez's five changeups. Among all changeups thrown by legitimate starters, Bruce Zimmerman's has the second highest CSW at 41.4%. All right. Just just let that sink in how good of a changeup he has right now. 23% swing strike rate thus far. And it's not like he faced like bad teams. He faced, okay, maybe kind of. He faced the Brewers. He faced the Yankees who aren't necessarily the most stellar thing out there. And then the Angels. He faces the Yankees again this week. I wonder if he can make this work. I mean, he famously struck out the side to start the game against the Angels. That is Otani, Trout, and Rendon. 27% swing strike rate thus far on that slider. He hasn't thrown too many. um, But there is a lot of potential with it. Curveball has looked good too. There's something maybe here. His four seamer gets crushed. So as long as he's using those secondaries a lot, only thirty percent usage on that on that four seamer. If he finds the right uh, balance, 
It could be like a Jeremy Ellickson with a really good changeup and a, and a fast one that gets crushed. I just wanted to say like Lebron Zimmerman might be doing something, and that's cool. And with John Means now out for the season and ah! for next season too, ah! <laughs> they need an ace oh! more. They need an ace. Why not Zimmerman? Uh, Why yeah, not? Well, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I'm just John yeah, it, Means, it, man. That stinks. It's, it's it does stink. Um, last tier, tier fourteen. Paul Blackburn, Corey Kluber, Tyler Anderson, Madison Bumgarner, Chris Flexen, Cole Irvin, Brad Keller, Dakota Hudson, Ross Stripling, Zach Granke, and the guy that you gave a tease before, Josh Fleming, is Mister Irrelevant number a hundred. All right, couple guys in this tier that you got to highlight because I know there's. But I, I, but I gotta tell you the team. I got a name. I got this. Yes, they are the Brads because they are the equivalent of pennies. Where you get them back and you're like, do I actually want to keep this? Probably not. <laughs> do you throw away your pennies, David Mendelssohn? Uh, I keep them in my car. I keep like a couple just if I need to like buy something that's like six forty seven. I'm like, okay, I'll take two pennies out. But I don't like if I find one, I don't keep it. If that makes yeah. sense. I, I if it's if it's six forty seven, I give them six fifty. I'm like, keep the change. I am so nice. Uh, you know uh, that look you made. <laughs> It sounds cheap. I just going in. I just I'm like, Nick. I, oh my god, that. Oh man, I'm not gonna recover from that. So anyway, these are the Brad Pennies. Um, and I, yeah, I don't know if I want to hold on to them. If I want to keep my pennies. So, so there you go. Wonderful to your name. Thank you so much. What a compliment. I'm still gonna have to get over this. <laughs> I love the name and I love the reference to a former great pitcher in Brad Penny. The guy, I think, at first catches my eye here. And we talked about it a little bit on a stream the other day. Madison Bumgarner, obviously the whiffs are not there. He's not that pitcher anymore, but he's been pretty consistent so far to start the year. Is he somebody that you think he is what he is, but maybe the days of him just being batting practice like he was a couple of years ago, those might be over and he could be a quality starter just to get some innings? Yeah, if you are in a quality start league, I might emphasize Bumgarner a little bit more. He only threw 78 pitches yesterday because he was apparently sick. Uh, five innings pitched. He's only done the last three starts. And I think, why is that a quality start? Because he's now ramped up, and I think he's going to go comfortably over 85 in that next start. Uh, he's someone to think about just because he's around 91 miles per hour. He's not under sub, he's not sub 90 right now. That's good. It's a very, very good thing, uh, for Madison Bump Garner. So this could work. I uh, just, I don't really love it. Yeah. The other one, I know we teased it earlier, Josh Fleming who just seems like he bounces around where the Rays want to use, like if he wants to use him as a starter, and I know he's projected to start this week, or just someone to soak up innings following a, a uh, an opener. What are your thoughts on Josh Fleming, Mr. Irrelevant? Mm. So before I do, because I want to end on this rant, because I have a rant. Uh, there's Tyler Anderson, who is now starting for the Dodgers because Andrew Heaney's hurt. Maybe mm. he can be a Toby, because remember last year, Tyler Anderson was a Toby. It's not like he was exceptional. He was just a Toby, and that's all you're hoping he is. I don't like chasing a Toby. If he becomes a Toby, then I get him. I Chris Flexen, and I don't even want to get a Toby, but if I need one, I got one. Okay. Chris Flexen and Cole Irvin also are guys that could go six frames. If you needed that, I get it. I don't really dig them right now, but they're both streaming options. I think Irvin more so because Flexen has more of the name value from last year. Irvin is showcasing himself as a decent six inning guy. Uh, you have Dakota Hudson, who like Michaelis, has the same amazing defense in St. Louis. He just showcased himself going six innings, a lot of, a lot of walks, but there could be some streaming opportunity there. Ross Stripling is now covering for Hyunjin Ryu. 
So I don't really like the matchups right now. He's not fully stretched out. But there is obviously some upside there in Ross Stripling they want to consider. But then there's Josh Fleming. And Josh Fleming, I saw, I saw, I saw the, the Twitter world go crazy. I'm just, I'm exaggerating, guys. I, uh, but like, oh, Josh Fleming, I got all these things on Twitch. Josh Fleming, Josh Fleming, Josh Fleming. 10 innings is all we've seen of Josh Fleming. He's gone three innings and a third in each of his games. Okay. That's it. And this is what happened. Nick, he has a 29% K rate right now and a 65% ground ball rate. He must be amazing. I need to pick him up everywhere. Again, under four innings per game thus far. What did he do in that first one? He went against Baltimore and said, look at me. I'm going to throw a 92 mile per hour sinker inside the zone and I'm going to get seven whiffs on 29. I'm like, whoa, that's that, that's kind of weird, Josh Fleming. Last year, uh, your sinker had, I don't know, 11% overall swing strike rate, which is not bad for a sinker, but it's not really anything exceptional. So, oh, no, oh, I'm sorry, Nick. I'm sorry. Oakland, next start. I, I'm going to prove you wrong. 10 whiffs on 40. That's a 20% swing strike rate on my sinker now. That's amazing. You got to love me. I'm like, wow, that's really strange. How hard did you throw it? Well, it was only 90 miles per hour, not the 92 from before. I'm like, oh, wow. Okay, you know what? Can you do it a third time? Can you do it against the Cubs? Zero whiffs on 22 sinkers in the third one. Zero whiffs after, like, uh, no, no. What do you know? You had two strikeouts in that. And, like, I know it's a 10-inning sample. It's just he's not this, like, secret sauce guy that is all of a sudden going to dominate your leagues. I do like the pitch separation that he had in that start against the Cubs. He had cutters up and in to right-handers and change-ups down away from them, but it still didn't fare very well for him. Josh Fleming isn't this, like, I don't know. I I, I have him at 100 because he's interesting, at least, and maybe I'm really dumb, and I'm going to be looking back and this go, oh, my God, what a dumb rant that was. What an idiot Nick Pollock is. But, yeah, Josh Fleming, I mean... Wait until he goes five innings, and then we'll talk maybe. Maybe? It's just not something I want to go after. Does he have two starts this week? I feel like I'm crazy thinking that he has. Well, that's the idea, is that people are seeing that, yeah, he's going against, uh, he's going to be opened for by Matt Weisler, or Whistler, against the Seattle Manners on Tuesday, and then could go against the Twins on Sunday. And that's the appeal. You might get seven or eight innings out of it. I hope they're good for your sake. I hope they are. But I would rather just get one good start instead. The pride of Webster University. Josh. (laughs) I hope he's great. But you were looking for some negativity. So there it is. All right. Well, it's a good balance. We got the positivity, the negativity. We (laughs) We got everything in this top 100. I feel like this was a... A very extensive list. This is, I think, a lot more in-depth than most lists you'll find out there. And that you do a really great work putting it all together every single week and putting research into a bunch of these guys. So it's really cool just to kind of go through here, all your thoughts on every single tier. And it was really cool to be able to do this with you for the last four weeks. So I, yeah, I just want to say before we sign off, I just appreciate you letting me hop in for Alex and, and go through this list with you. The last few Stop it. it was great. I can't, I cannot thank you enough, David, for taking the time every day to do it. Everybody, please, please go and follow David Mendelson at dmendy02 on Twitter. Just type in David Mendelson. <laughs> You'll find him. Um, does great work, of course. Triple Faith Play Fantasy, doing the great stuff on YouTube. 
fantasy pros, all that stuff. I mean, you guys have heard him the last, last couple of weeks. He's fantastic. So let's all thank David together. Please go to Twitter and help him out. I, uh, but yeah, I think that might do it, David. I'm going to miss this. I will too. And um, anytime Alex needs to uh, take baby duty, I'm happy to step in, <laughs> but he's, he's obviously the voice that everybody needs to hear on here. So just, it's just in relief, you know, he pitches seven strong mm, innings there you go. and then there I'll come is. in for relief. Every you could be the while. Josh Fleming. Uh, <laughs> oh god i don't know if that's good or bad <laughs> oh goodness all right that's gonna do it for episode 321 of on the corner i'm your host david mendelson and i'm nick pollock and we'll talk to you guys next week